It's been a minute since anybody sent me a coronavirus dream, probably because I haven't asked for any in a while, but um, just a reminder. Hey guys, if you are having crazy coronavirus dreams, record a description thereof and please send to me at c19dreams at gmail.com or you can tweet them at me, you can Facebook them at me or whatever. Um, but I like to open the show with a dream, so I'm going to do a dramatic reading of one that I found on Twitter from Nora Borealis. She writes, I had a dream that I walked alone through a suburban park, yelling at all the parents picnicking while their kids played on playground equipment, and one of the moms chased me and touched me just to be a bitch. And I am still mad about this fictional encounter. Guess what, bitch? <laughs> Coronavirus! Coronavirus! Shit is real! Shit is getting real! Shit is real! Hello, y'all. It's me, Darby. This is a show mostly about how people are getting through the coronavirus crisis. There are lots of shows out there featuring experts and doctors and stats and news and all that stuff. This is not that show. This is just me talking with people I know about how they're getting through. Although today that's not entirely true because I have an honest-to-goodness expert person on the show today. Actually, two. I have um, an NHS midwife and COVID-19 survivor, Emily Pullen, who graciously agreed to let me interview her, and then serendipitously, a real-life pregnant person, so an expert on being pregnant in the time of pandemic. Jane Von Grichotti reached out to me about being on the show. So today, we're going to talk about birth and babies during the pandemic. Don't forget, you can support the show and the workouts and meditations that I drop in here on a pay-what-you-will basis by hitting up the donation links in the show notes. But first, bum -bum 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 -bum, three good things. Three things that made me smile since the last time we spoke even though I feel pretty shitty most of the time. Number one, Todd Chapman, head of the bro-life movement on TikTok. Todd is played by my friend and abortion access front colleague Molly Gaby, and she is hilarious. And her creation, Todd, is maybe the funniest thing that's come out of um, abortion access front, formerly known as Lady Parts Justice, maybe ever. Link in the show notes. Molly, forgive me if I've mispronounced your last name. I meant to reach out and ask you how to properly pronounce it, and I'm not sure that I got it right. Anyway, number two, let me be the 482nd person in your life to tell you to watch Normal People, affectionately known in my house as the Horny Irish Teenager Show. It really is that good. Just watch it. And number three, Working out in parks where dogs are allowed off-leash. I may have mentioned this before, but um, I, I've been comforted by so many dogs in the past couple of days that I feel like I have to mention it again. I get the feeling these dogs can tell that I'm depressed and they come running over to me when I'm like in a plank or um, doing some kind of like exercise on my yoga mat where I'm down on the ground and they just come over and get in my face until I take a break and let them give me some love. When you're not allowed to hug anyone except your husband or partner or whoever else you might live with or even worse if you're all alone during this thing, get out there into a park 
and just wait for a dog to find you and demand that you scratch its butt. It will warm your heart, I promise. Okay, so let's talk about having babies during a pandemic, shall we? I have two guests today, the midwife. Um, so my name is Emily. I am a part-time midwife um, at St. George's Hospital in South London, and I am a part-time personal trainer specializing in pre and postnatal. And the pregnant person. Um, so I'm Jane Vongvar-Chody. Um, I'm a personal trainer um, at Equinox, also a run community manager and head coach for the New Balance Run Club London, as well as doing um, coaching outside uh, on my own, and um, I run professionally. Jane's selling herself a bit short there as she's not just a professional runner. She's an Olympian. I might feature more of her conver- um I might feature some more of our conversation about her fitness career uh, on a future episode. But today I just wanted to hear about what it's like for these two women to be on the different sides of the birthing process during coronavirus. But Emily, actually had the virus. So let's hear a bit about that from her before we hear about her work. I never actually had um, a confirmed um, coronavirus positive swab. Um, long story short, I basically, you know, went, went off sick and I wasn't feeling very well. And um, our hospitals supposedly meant to be providing kind of swabs for NHS um, staff. And I kind of called up my manager and they said they'd done a referral to me. So I had to kind of wait a couple of days. And um, and then I called them up and they said, oh, apparently you don't qualify to get a, a swab. And I said, why? I'm an NHS worker. I've clearly got symptoms. You know, I had a fever and felt really, really unwell. Um, and they said, because you live on your own, and you're already isolating and you have the symptoms, we just have to presume that you're positive because even if I did get a positive swab back, it wouldn't affect the management, which I do kind of understand. But with everything going on in the media about, you know, um, swabs and, um, you know, making sure every single NHS worker is swabbed and um, how many thousand swabs are meant to be doing a day, it kind of felt a bit, I don't know what the word is, like, I kind of felt a bit cheated that even though I was an NHS worker and I most definitely did have, you know, corona, they, they still wouldn't give me a test, um, which seemed a bit unfair. But um, anyway, it, it, it most probably was corona. I did actually go into work that morning because I felt absolutely fine. And um, I, we, we've had positive um, COVID patients on the ward. And, you know, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it kind of being an NHS worker and being in the hospital. So I don't think there was a particular case where I caught it from. And who knows, I could have got it you know, on my way to the shops or something. Um, but I went to work and I felt, I just felt really faint. Um, and I, I didn't have a fever or anything or else I wouldn't have gone into work. I didn't have a cough. It almost just felt like I hadn't had breakfast, but, but I had. Um, and I, I never faint. I'm not really a faint kind of person. Um, and I nearly fainted about three times in an hour. And I was sitting at the, the staff desk and my manager came over and said, we're going to have to send you home. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's definitely not Corona. I don't know what it is. I wonder because we had to wear all the masks at work and sometimes wearing a mask and gloves and goggles and all the gowns. It can it can be quite claustrophobic um, and you almost get quite hot and flustered anyway. So I was like, I wonder if it was just that. And I just got a bit overwhelmed and it made me feel a bit faint. But anyway, my manager sent me home. And then interestingly, then that evening I started to develop a fever. Um, and that kind of went on for, I was quite unwell for about 10 days. 
um, you know, on and off with a fever. I, yeah, I just felt really sick. Like I could barely eat or kind of sip water. Um, it was like the worst hangover you've ever had. <laughs> you can't eat, you can barely drink water. And oh yeah, it was really bad. And the fever kind of went after a few days. Um, and I felt kind of a bit of short, shorter breath um, and was breathing a bit faster than normal. Um, but, you know, it, it, it was manageable. It just felt kind of like really bad flu. Um, so, but I suppose that's just an individual experience, but I never had a cough or anything. So, um, but they say, yeah, it probably was, probably was the Corona. Oh, that's so interesting. Cause, cause Kelvin and I had really bad cough, um, extreme fatigue. I slept for like four or five days. I lost my voice and but we never had any fever, either of us. We never got a fever. So oh, this virus is so weird. And I'll just jump in here to say that, of course, Kelvin and I do have not taken a test. We don't know for sure that we had it. We just know that we were sick. So we're waiting on antibody tests to confirm whether or not uh, what we had was COVID-19. It is. It's so strange. And the, the weird thing is about it is everyone gets something different. Some people don't get anything. Um, so and, and it's really hard to understand, I think. That's why I was struggling so much, you know, working in the hospital. A, we've, we've never been through this before. We've never been through anything like this. So we don't know how to cope. We don't really know, you know, what we're meant to be doing or not doing. And the advice changes every day, you know, even from the government. More on that in a minute. But first, I wondered what it was like for Jane to be just like days away from giving birth in such a scary time. I'm pretty positive And I think the situation, ha um, I've taken just a huge positive spin to it. I've gotten more um, motivated um, because I have more time to work on things that I've always wanted to work on. And I've always worked on those things on the side, but to really develop what I really love. So it's been able to give me that time as well as uh, my husband that works in finance. And I said, I wished in my head uh, that I had more time to spend with him. Uh, now he's working from home. So, you know, it, it's a huge difference to have him there in case anything happens. Like we were trying to figure out logistics about, you know, if I go into labor, where we'd be, what would the plan be? But it's actually pretty easy now because he's home. I just probably just shout if anything happens. <laughs> you know, yes, there are, especially when this first started, uh, concerns about going to the hospital, how labor would look like. My antenatal classes were all canceled, but they've been good enough to provide online resources. I've always been reading anyway. Um, Checkups, they've been really good with that. Um, and then like things like, you know, miss that are personal, like missing a baby shower, not having one uh, was tough at, you know, like cried a little bit that day when I you know, how to tell my friends that, you know, I think the best uh, thing to do is not to have one and, you know, to do it later on. So then that became like things that you probably would get in a baby shower. Um, I had to go try to buy on my own, which at the time was difficult. It would say on Amazon that you wouldn't get diapers for another, you know, two months. Uh, and if the baby came, obviously you wouldn't have a supply for certain things that you need. You know, my parents probably, and even their parents back in the day had cloth diapers. So if I needed to, I would probably make something into a cloth diaper, uh, figure things out. So I, you know, I'd say that's probably one of the frustrations. My parents, we wanted them to visit. Uh, they still have the flight. We'll see what happens. 
but again, because husband's working from home, possibly don't necessarily need extra hands on um, at the moment. So as a person who's never been pregnant, I had some questions about how the process of having a baby is different in a midwife-centered culture versus a doctor, like um, OBGYN-centered culture. I want to back up a little bit because um, so most of my listeners are are located in America where midwives are, they're becoming more and more a thing, but I don't think they're supplied by the hospital. So can you talk a little bit about um, like you're part of the, you, your job, you're actually employed by the NHS. So talk about it and like, does everyone get a midwife or is it, is it something that? Yeah. Yeah. National health service. Yeah. Um, so the system in this country, um, when you kind of find out you're pregnant, you then you can self-refer to a hospital or you kind of go through your GP and you basically just choose which hospital you want to have your care at. Um, and a midwife will kind of look after you the whole way through your pregnancy. So what they're trying to do is kind of assign a, a pregnant lady to kind of a team of midwives. There might be like four or five midwives in this team and they'll see you all the way through your pregnancy. So you might end up seeing a different midwife every time, but you might be lucky and perhaps see one or two midwives. And unfortunately in London, just because of the, the nature of the population and you know the logistics of it all, um, it's actually not possible, well, at the moment, um, that midwives can then be there to kind of um, deliver your baby, the same midwife. So it's usually a different set of midwives who'll work on the delivery suite or the birth centre, and they'll see you there and deliver your baby with you. Um, and then when you kind of get discharged back to community, it's then the midwives who saw you in your pregnancy, they'll then come and see you at home. So you don't get assigned like an individual midwife as such, and you don't get to choose. Um, it's more kind of done on your location and um, which clinics you kind of are closest to to attend. Um, but I know um, in um, the US, a lot of kind of pregnancies and births are quite obstetric run. So they're quite medicalized and um, like doctors are kind of the main people on the wards. But um, in this country, like there's quite a big move towards midwives, um, you know, being there, delivering the baby, giving all the care. And women will only see a doctor if there's any kind of medical need to. Um, a lot of people ask me when we're in the delivery room, they said, oh, who's going to be here when we deliver the baby? And I said, well, if everything goes OK, it'll just be me. And they were like, what, just you? Like, just one person. Don't you need anyone else? Or they're like, when's the doctor coming in? And I'm like, no, nope, we don't need anyone else unless we need help. Or sometimes I might get a second midwife in for a bit more support. But yeah, no, midwives, um, we can do it all. I wanted to hear Jane's side of the story as well as a fellow American having her first baby with midwives as her primary caregivers. I think, you know, having a midwife, it's like the norm, right? Or sometimes in, in the U.S., it's like, well, why don't you have a doctor? You need to have a doctor by you. Uh, and you don't necessarily need one. I think if there are complications, they will, you have the option to, like, if you, you know, like I am having a baby and the midwife's going to be there and if there's complications they literally go across or they transfer you across from birth center to labor ward there's no issue but of course you know any visit to the hospital is going to be different now than it was a few months ago i asked emily you said that the rules in the hospital are changing all the time can you talk a little bit more about that like maybe give an example or two um so currently at the moment um 
women who come in for like a, an induction or like a, a stay when they're still pregnant, you know, not in established labor, they're only allowed to come onto the ward on their own, not with a birth partner, whether that's their husband, girlfriend, you know, friend, mother, whatever. Um, so they have to come alone. Uh, that was just for the kind of the risk of bringing in excess people and people coming and going and increasing that kind of transmission risk. Um, the women come on their own. Um, and that didn't used to be the case, you know, maybe two or three weeks ago, women could come with a partner. Um, and once they kind of get into established labor and they're taken to a delivery room, that's when their partner will be called. Um, and then they can join them for the whole of their labor. Um, and then when they go to the postnatal ward, so I don't know how it works in the US, but women often stay in the delivery room, maybe for a couple of hours after they've delivered, they maybe breastfeed the baby, have a shower, have something to eat chill out and then they get taken to um, like another ward and they might stay there one or two nights depending on how the birth went depending on how baby's doing and feeding um, and now partners are not allowed to stay on the postnatal ward they used to be able to um, and you know support their women and stay overnight and there was kind of a reclinable chair um, it, most of the beds are kind of um, in like a bay um, with maybe three other women um, but at the moment partners are not allowed to stay there but again previously maybe uh, four weeks ago they were allowed um but i don't know um you know i haven't been in the hospital today so the rules could have changed again today and we you just don't know until you go in yeah what's that been like what's that been like for women who haven't been able to have their partners um and with them like what what, what are you what are you hearing from the people who are actually having the babies yeah i think um i think uh, when women hear this they're really alarmed you know if they're going into early labor and um, they're like, what was if my partner can't get here on time, you know, for the actual birth or, you know, some women are in early labor for, you know, a couple of days, especially if they're going through an induction and, you know, they're like, well, I need my partner to be there to support me. That's when I need them the most. Um, but actually what we found is women then start to kind of um, rely on the midwife and kind of use the midwife a little bit more, which is what we're there for really, you know, to support them in those early labor stages to kind of get to know the midwife as well because sometimes if they're you know late in early labor we'll just kind of let them relax and chat with their partner or actually we've kind of noticed people are a little bit more sociable which is nice um, and particularly on the postnatal ward women used to have kind of have their curtains drawn around them but now because everyone's on their own and you're not worried about someone else's partner walking past and you're breastfeeding or whatever um, everyone has their curtains open so everyone has been chatting and making friends and um, apparently it's like it feels like a real sense of community so apparently there's there people are feeling there are lots of positives um, and apparently um, breastfeeding rates have gone up um, in the early days but also um, you know the weeks later because people are kind of going home not really being allowed to leave the house um, or kind of like locking away not having parents you know grandparents you know all of that coming around or friends you know knock on the door every five minutes the breastfeeding rates have increased because you're just chilling at home uh, you don't have to worry about you know your father-in-law seeing your boob or whatever um, so apparently breastfeeding rates have increased which is which is great and babies are putting on weight quicker so I mean there are a lot of um, negatives and you know things going on with this disease and people are struggling but actually there are positives to be drawn from this, which I think is a nice thing to focus on. I, of course, wanted to hear from both of these women about the counsel they might have for pregnant people who are maybe are scared about giving birth right now. I wanted to hear their advice. If you are in the UK, I would definitely say the midwives 
um, that you've been working with and the doctors have been doing an excellent job. If they're not, reach out to me and, you know, we, I can share my resources to you. Um, but I, I believe you are probably blessed in the way that you don't have, so most of you are, most people are furloughed or working from home. So you don't have to, when you're kind of uncomfortable and you had to travel on the subway and people wouldn't give you a seat um, or your feet are swollen or um, you had to actually dress to go to work because you had a dress code. Now you can be in your PJs. You can be embrace the, the fact that you don't have to dress up and maybe buy pregnancy clothes. So for me, I didn't have to, I can walk around in my apartment and wear my husband's clothes uh, without spending money, right? <laughs> spending money, um, uh, buying pregnancy clothes. So I'd say embrace those pieces of it because everyone may be at a different point in their pregnancy. I would also say you're lucky to probably have more time to spend with hopefully your significant others with you or somebody who uh, is around. So you have a support system that maybe you normally wouldn't. Um, I don't know. I think I would just say I actually don't watch the news anymore. I maybe read the highlights once a day, but other than that, I don't read it. So I would say if you can try not to look into the media and the news and everything that's going on, because it's just scaremongering and it's sometimes unrealistic and they just publicize the worst things, you know, which is sometimes needed. But from what my friends have told me about what's going on in the news, and then they ask me, say, oh, is it really that bad? And I say, no, actually, the hospital has been relatively chilled, relatively, you know, quiet, um, although we're not allowed to say the Q word in hospital, because then suddenly it all gets manic. Um, but it, it has been relatively Q word. Um, and it like, the, the, the morale is really high. I don't know about other wards, and but just from in maternity, it, it's not as bad as it's being made out to be at the moment, especially in my hospital in London, I don't know the rest of um, the UK, but it, it's really not as bad as it's being made out to be. Of course, it's a very dangerous disease and people are dying. But maternity, you know, if people do have corona when they're pregnant and they, they, the survival rate and the recovery rate is really, really high. Um, and midwives are really stepping up to support women in this really, really tough time. We're doing everything we can. And some women are even saying that they're, they're having better care than they were, they were expecting or better care than they did um, with their first baby if they're now having another baby. So that's really, really nice to hear. Um, and midwives are definitely stepping up. And I would just say, try not to worry. There's nothing we can do. Um, you just kind of have to go with it and just be open to what's going to happen. As you do anyway, with any kind of birth or pregnancy, things might not go to plan, you know, irrelevant of the circumstances going on in the world. So I would just say, try and just go with it. Don't panic. Don't worry. And we're still here for you. You know, if you need to come into hospital, um, then please do come because because we're here um, and we're here to support you if you need us. And that's the show. So, of course, I will post links to Emily's and Jane's um, social feeds down in the show notes. And again, don't forget, if you are enjoying the workouts and meditations that I'm posting in this feed occasionally, please support the show by hitting up the donation links that you will find in the show notes. Please subscribe wherever you're listening to this thing and um, drop me a review in the Apple Podcast Store. That's the place that really helps other listeners find the show. So I would appreciate it. I wish you guys well. Stay safe. 
and I will talk to you again soon.